Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. This morning, with the Lord's help, I want to talk to you out of Acts chapter 9. I'm going to start reading this, verses 1 through 18. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation and the rest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he could see again. But Lord exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. This morning, I wanna talk about this thought, Redemption Road. Redemption Road, let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to be in your house. God, I pray that each and every heart would be open to receive today. God, open up every ear. God, let our focus be put on you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help me communicate your word. God, that you would help me set myself aside so that you might speak a message through me. And God, we're just gonna give you all the honor and all the glory for everything that's said and done today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wanna talk to you about this thought, Redemption Road, Redemption Road. Every single believer Regardless of how long you've been saved, every single believer has traveled down Redemption Road at some point in their life. Every believer has had a moment in their life where they have encountered Jesus in such a way that it changed the trajectory of your life. You might've been headed one direction, you might've had your own agenda, but then God showed up and he changed everything about you. He changed where you were headed. He changed why you were headed there. He changed who you, who you were, what you believed in. God shows up and he changes everything about us. And it happens on Redemption Road. Redemption Road is where your testimony is born. Where you could testify to people and you could say, I was headed here, but then Jesus showed up in my life and helped me turn things around. I was headed to hell, but then Jesus showed up and I gave my life to him. You see, being a Christian believer, a follower of Jesus, it's not just some box that you're able to check on a survey, right? We don't just check a box that says that we are a Christian, but we realize that being a Christ follower, it's a process that we have to go through. It's a journey that each of us have to embark on. We don't just arrive 
but we have to work our way to our destination. It's a road that we have to go down. Now, redemption means this. Redemption means the action of saving or being saved from sin, evil, or error. Road means a series of events or a course of action that will lead to a particular outcome. So when we're talking about the thought of redemption road, think about it like this, a series of events that will lead to being saved from sin, evil, or error. God has each of us on a road going through a series of events in order to save us from sin, evil, and error. And I'm gonna give you eight things very quickly about Saul and what he had to go through down Redemption Road. The first thing is Saul had to be redeemed from religion. Somebody say religion. In verse nine, it said, chapter, chapter nine, verse one, it says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he got these letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation and the rest of anybody that followed Jesus. And it says he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem. You see, Saul, you have to understand this, Saul wasn't just some evil bad guy from the Bible. Saul was a very religious man. Saul was a very educated man. Saul was somebody that was on a mission for his church. Think about that. Saul, Saul had permission from the leading priest. Saul had letters, Saul had authority. Saul had permission to go out and do what he was doing. And here's what's interesting about Saul because Saul thought that what he was doing was right. Saul thought that in order to save the church, I've gotta go shut these people down. I've gotta go arrest every man, every woman, every child that is following Jesus. And you see, the thing about Saul is that Saul knew religion, but he didn't know Jesus. Saul knew all about religion, but he didn't know anything about Jesus. And I just came to tell you this this morning, that if you are somebody that's focused on getting people, that's focused on destroying people, then you know about religion, but you don't know Jesus. Because Jesus didn't establish a church where we get people. He didn't establish a church where we backbite, where we gossip, where we slander. Jesus didn't establish a church like that. Religion did, but not Jesus. You see, religion will have you looking down on people. Religion will have you being judgmental and critical towards people. Religion will cause you to become prideful and think that you're better than other people. Religion will have you believing that you are judge, jury, and executioner. And that's why Saul needed to be redeemed from religion. Think about the course of history. And even today, right now in this moment, how many people in the church thought they were doing the right thing? Thought that they were bringing glory to God through what they were doing. While they're out trying to destroy other people's lives, they thought it was the right thing that would bring God the glory. Romans 12 and two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. What God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So Redemption Road, it's a place where God has to do a work on your mind. Jesus had to show up in Saul's life and he had to reveal to Saul that Saul, he was fighting the wrong people. He was focused on the wrong things. He had to show Saul that there was a greater purpose for his life. And God has to show each and every single one of us that we need to step out of religion and we need to step into a relationship with Christ where we begin truly loving people. Where when we're out in our communities, we're being the hands and feet of Jesus. Because if you just go to church, 
but you live any old way, you're stuck in religion. If you try to preach to everybody in your family and at your job and everything else, what they should be doing, how they should be living, but you're hateful, then you're stuck in religion and really you need Jesus in your life. So Saul had to be redeemed from religion. The second thing I want you to realize is that God meets us where we are. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? It says, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heavenly, from heaven suddenly shone down around him and he fell down to the ground with a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Saul responds and he says, who are you, Lord? He wasn't using Lord in terms of Jesus is Lord. He was saying Lord in a formal manner. He said, who are you, Lord? You see, in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our sin, in the middle of us living our life in error, God still shows up and meets us where we are. In the middle of our brokenness, God shows up and meets us where we are. I, can only, I, can, I can't help but look back on my life and look at all the times where God showed up in my life even though I was in error. Even though I was living in sin, that's why the Bible says that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. Because God's not waiting for you to arrive. God loves you right now. God has a plan for you right now. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you're at. God will meet you where you are. You see, Saul had to realize who Jesus was for himself. How many of you guys were raised in church? You see, I was raised in church my whole life. My grandparents were my pastors my whole life. They pastored the same church for 43 and a half years. However, I didn't know Jesus for myself until I was 17. I knew Jesus through my mom and what she told me. I knew Jesus through what my grandparents preached in our church. I knew Jesus through the stories in Sunday school class. I knew Jesus through a lot of different people and through a lot of different things. However, I did not know Jesus for myself. And it wasn't until I was 17 years old at a youth camp where I truly had an encounter with Jesus and I knew him for myself. I had an experience with him that nobody could talk me out of where I could then talk about Jesus, and I'm not talking about Jesus based off of what my grandma said, but I'm now talking about Jesus based off of what I experienced. You see, what Saul needed was Saul needed an encounter with Jesus, and God showed up right where he was. He wasn't in a church. He wasn't in a revival service. He was on his way to lock up Christians. And God showed up in his life. So I'm telling you this morning, if you don't know who Jesus is, then great, Jesus will meet you right where you're at today, right now, it doesn't matter. Some of you, you've been trying, you've been trying to get your family in church, they don't wanna come. That's great, Jesus can meet them right where they're at. Jesus can meet them on a couch in your living room. Jesus can meet them in the passenger seat while you're driving down the road. God meets us right where we are. The third thing is that God gives us the next step, but he doesn't always give us the whole plan. You see, what happens is when Jesus encounters Saul on this road to Damascus, he tells Saul, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to get up and go into the city and then you'll be told what you must do. And it says the men with Saul, they were just speechless. You see, all God told Saul was to get up and go into the city and wait. He gave him the next step, but he didn't give him the whole plan. Saul was told what to do, but he wasn't told why. He wasn't told how long he would have to wait there. He wasn't told the whole plan about what he would have to go through. All he knew was that he had this encounter and that the Lord told him to go wait in the city. And here's what I came to tell you this morning is that Redemption Road is a place where you learn that your steps are ordered by the Lord. 
you won't always know the whole plan. God might give you just one step. He might give you one thing to do. He may not give you all of the details. He may give you one step at a time. So what do you do? You get to stepping. It's not that hard. One, one foot after another, just like walking, you get to stepping and God will show you what he wants you to do. If you don't know what to do in your life, go back and do the last thing that God told you to do. And when you do that, then he'll tell you what to do next. But until you've gone into the city and until you've waited on the Lord, he's not gonna tell you what to do next. Some of us, we've gotta go back to the basics. If you don't know God's plan for your life, then just be faithful. Start by going to church paying your tithes, getting involved in serving one step after another, and then God will begin to reveal his plan for your life. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Have you truly stopped to think about what that means? Faith means that I don't have to have all the details. I'm walking by faith, not by sight. I don't have to see a roadmap in front of me because I'm walking by faith and not by sight. Faith means that I don't have to have an explanation. God doesn't owe me an explanation. He doesn't have to explain why I need to go to the city or what I need to do. If he's told me to go to the city, then the only thing I need to do is to go to the city. I don't need the details or the explanation. Faith means that I keep on stepping and I know that the Lord is gonna take care of the rest. The Lord, he's great at working out every detail. And I have faith to believe that no matter where the Lord calls me to go or what he calls me to do, that God is gonna work everything out on my behalf. So God gives us the next step and not the whole plan. And then the next thing is God has to deal with our flesh. God has to deal with our flesh. When Saul got up off the ground, it said when he opened up his eyes, he was blind. And it said his companions, they had to lead him by his hand into Damascus. And there he remained blind for three days and he did not eat or drink. And here's what I've learned about the Lord is that God has a way of humbling us. When we get religious, when we get prideful, when we start doing our own thing, when we start doing things out of our own strength, when we start making a way, instead of just trusting God to order our steps, then God has a way of humbling us. And think about this, Saul's encounter with Jesus wasn't a miracle, it was really a curse. Think about it, what if you went to a revival service and you left blind? You're not going back to that church. Come on. Saul has an encounter and he's left blind. Man, what kind of Jesus is this? But what was happening is the Lord was humbling Saul. And it's interesting that for three days, Saul remained blind and he did not eat and he did not drink. And you could take a look at the number three and you could realize that it was three days that Jonah spent in the belly of the fish. It was three days that Jesus spent in the tomb before he arose. Now the number three in the Bible, it represents this. It represents divine wholeness, completeness, and perfection. And here's what I've learned is that God has to do a complete work inside of you before he can use you. God has to bring you to a place where you're humbled and you're submitted. And then out of that place, God is able to redeem you and then use you. Redemption Road is a place where God begins to deal with us and he begins to confront our flesh and our pride and our agendas. And it's a place where he shows us that we must die. It's a place where he had to show Saul, it doesn't matter how religious you've been, it doesn't matter what kind of education you have, it doesn't matter what kind of authority that you have on paper, you have to die before I can use you. 
That's why in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said this to his disciples. If you want to follow me, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? That means that you can't lead yourself any longer. You can't lead yourself any longer. It's not up to you where you're going. It's not up to you what you're called to do. It means that you're gonna have to pick up your cross. What does that mean? That means that you're gonna have to go through some stuff in this life. Saul had no idea what he would have to face in his future for Christ. Saul had no idea what he would have to go through while he carried his cross and preached Jesus. And when you make a decision for the Lord, as you follow him, you're gonna have to take up that cross each and every day of your life. And with that cross comes a struggle. With that cross, that means that your flesh has to die so that you can do what God is calling you to do. And he says, while you follow him, while you carry your cross, you have to follow him. You have to do what God is calling you to do. You have to keep on following him step after step after step. The next thing is God wants us to have complete faith in him. He speaks to Ananias, one of his followers, and he says, Ananias, look, there's this man named Saul who is blind. And I've given him a vision. He knows that you're coming. He knows that you're gonna lay hands on him and pray for him. And and he knows that all of this is gonna happen. And it says, while God is speaking to Ananias, Ananias says, but Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. You see, Ananias made a mistake because Ananias responded in fear because of what he heard other people say. Ananias was worried about the authority that Saul had to arrest people and failed to realize the authority that Jesus Christ has in his life. That Jesus Christ has the final say. And here's the thing that you're gonna have to stop making decisions based off of what everyone else has said if you're gonna do what God is calling you to do. You can't be worried about what they said. Forget about what they've been saying about your pastor. Forget about what they've been saying about your church. Forget about what they've been saying about what you believe in. You go ahead and do what God is calling you to do. And here's the thing, your calling is gonna sound crazy to people around you. Your friends aren't gonna understand what God is calling you to do. Your family's not always gonna understand what God is calling you to do. Your coworkers aren't gonna understand what God is calling you to do. But here's what you do, you keep on stepping. You have more faith in God than fear in man. I don't care what Saul can do to me because the Lord told me to go pray for this man. The Lord told me to go lay hands on this man. And how many times have we failed to do what God has called us to do out of fear? Oh, I'm afraid to pray for that man on the corner because he might have a knife, he might rob me, he might mug me. I'm saying use wisdom. Use wisdom, but know this. If God has put anybody on your heart, no matter who they are, no matter what they look like, if God has put them on your heart, then it's for a reason. And not once have I seen God lead somebody into a mess because of their obedience. When you're obedient to the Lord, he'll use you in ways that you could have never imagined. God will will put somebody on your mind and you make the phone call and you say two words and they break down and start crying. Why? Because it was a God-ordained moment. But you can't be afraid of how they're gonna respond, how they're gonna react. What if they don't accept you? What if they don't wanna listen to what you have to say? Who cares about any of those details? All you have to do is make the phone call that God put on your heart to make. You take the step and you let God work out everything else. God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, Redemption Road is a place where you learn to put your faith in God. It's a place where his voice 
becomes the loudest voice in your life. I can't even hear what everybody's been saying because all I hear is the Lord and what he's telling me to do. Before I came to Indiana, a lot of people think that coming to Indiana was a mistake for me. Why would you want to go there? Why would you leave beautiful Arizona? The nice weather. Everybody's leaving Indiana to go to Arizona. Why would you do the opposite? Because I'm crazy. I'm just... I didn't even know, I didn't even know pastor. I didn't even know where Bethel Family Worship Center was. I was in Phoenix, Arizona. I was living my dream. I had bought a house. I had a great job. I was doing all these different things. And then one day I get a random message on Twitter from pastor and he's going out there to do a minister's conference. And he saw that we were connected to the same organization. I had gotten my credentials. I had served in ministry, different capacities. But I was in a season of my life where I wasn't, I was going to a big church. I was volunteering. I wasn't really doing much though. I thought I was in the Lord's will because I had all this favor on my life. Well, Pastor Hilton, he sends me a message. And he says, hey, I see that we're connected. We have some mutual friends. And then I told him, oh, I'm a, I'm a part of this organization too. And he says, well, I'm doing a pastor's conference. Uh, I just want to invite you to come. He's trying to build up the meeting. And I'm like, okay, sounds great. If I have time, I'll try to make it. Well, the next message he sends me is, are you single because my daughter's looking? I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to wake some people up in here. He said, <laughs> he said, he's telling him. <laughs> he said, he said, what are your dreams and passions? And when I read that question, the Holy Spirit convicted me. Because when I was 17 at that youth camp, God had called me into the ministry and in that season of my life, I was not rooted in the church. I was not in God's will for my life. I wasn't doing what I knew I was called to do. I had God's favor on my life, and yet I was living in a place that wasn't in God's will for my life. I wasn't fulfilling the calling that he had for me. So instantly when I read that, I felt a check in my spirit, and I felt convicted about it. And then I shared that with him. I said, well, when I was 17, I was called into ministry. I got my credentials, everything else, and all this stuff. Well, then his next, his next message was a link. And I clicked it, and it was, a, it was a job posting for a youth pastor in Indiana. And I'm dead serious. I'm de I saw it, and I'm like, India, that's where you're from? I, I closed it, and I'm like, no way. No way. And I didn't even message anything back. I'm telling you, the Lord, the Lord dealt with me so much over that. I couldn't even sleep at night. And I knew that the Lord was calling me somewhere. He was calling me to take a step. And I remember laying in bed and I'm like, God, no. We've got sunshine, we've got mountains. And I remember wrestling with God about, I'm like, God, there's no way. I've never been in full-time ministry. I'm not even married. These people have to be out of their mind. If I, God, there's no way they would hire me. Do they even know about me? Do they know how crazy I can be sometimes? But I couldn't sleep. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I could not sleep. The Lord was dealing with me. And then finally I said, okay, God, whatever. I'm gonna do this. And I didn't even tell my family. I didn't. Because I knew they would think I was crazy. And I submitted everything. And then before I know it, they wanna do a video interview. They wanna fly me out. So I remember I went through this process and I knew it was the Lord. Because I said, God, if they, if they interview me, if they're actually interested in hiring me, it has to be you because I am not qualified at all. 
So I go through this process and then I get this, I get this call back and all these things. And then I make a decision to come out here. Then I tell my family, hey, everybody, I just want to let you know that I'm moving to Indiana to be a youth pastor. <laughs> everybody thought I was crazy. They're like, why do you want to go? All they have is cornfields and NASCAR fans. That's what people in Arizona think about you. I'm, it's them, not me. But, but here's, and, 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 and let me just say this, not once, not once have I ever been homesick. Not one time. Because I know that I'm in God's, God's will for my life. And I say all that to say this to you, that people will not always understand what God is calling you to do. They won't understand the purpose that God has on your life. They won't know what God is doing in your life, why he's doing it in your life. They'll look at you and they'll think that you're crazy. They'll think that you're unqualified. You might even think that you're crazy. You might even feel unqualified. But I'm telling you, whatever God is leading you to do, take the step. Take the step and watch how God begins to do a miracle in your life. The next thing, I've got to hurry. God has chosen you. Look to your neighbor and say, God has chosen you. When the Lord was speaking to Ananias, he told Ananias, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as the people of Israel. God is speaking to Ananias. Ananias knows Saul's reputation. He knows that Saul's been hunting people down, that he has the authority to arrest everybody. And yet we have God saying, wait a minute, Ananias, I get that you're scared, but... Saul is my chosen instrument. And I'm not just gonna use him, but I'm gonna use him to be a voice to the Gentiles. I'm gonna use him to be a voice to the people of Israel. I'm gonna use him to be a voice to kings. In the middle of Saul's error, in the middle of Saul's mess, in the middle of Saul's sinful life, his reputation of causing fear in the heart of the believers, in the middle of that place, God speaks to Ananias and says, hey, that's my chosen instrument. So it doesn't matter what the people in your life might look like right now. It doesn't matter how far gone they might look. You are God's chosen instrument. And if God can use a man like Saul, then why can he not use you? Why can't he use you? Why can't God use you at your job? Is it because you've acted too religious? Why can't God use you to share the love of Jesus? You see, God didn't call Saul out by his sins. He didn't say that Saul is a murderer. He didn't say anything bad about Saul. What God said over Saul's life is that Saul is his chosen instrument. And aren't you so thankful that at your lowest point in your life, God didn't stand over you and look down on you and say that you're a mess, that you're a sinner, that you're broken. But God looks at you and he says, wait a minute, I've chosen you. I've called you. I love you. You're a son. You're a daughter. That's why in Ephesians 2, it says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. And the same God that forms you in your mother's womb forms Saul in his mother's womb. The same God that has a call and a purpose for your life is the same God that has a call and a purpose for your coworker's life, for your crazy uncle's life, for whoever it might be, no matter where they're at right now, God has a plan for their life as well. There is a work that God has for you to do. And I just wanna encourage somebody in here today and say that you are not a mistake. God knows exactly what you've done he knows where you've been. He knows what you've gone through, but you are not a mistake because before you ever made a mistake, God had a plan and a purpose for you. And I don't know about you, but I know that God does not change his mind about us. God doesn't just one day say, you know what? I don't love you anymore. 
I no longer have a plan for you. God doesn't do that. I'm telling you, take the step. Say, take the step. The next thing, God surrounds us with support. So, so Ananias, he goes and he finds where Saul is and then he lays his hands on him and he says this, he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight and then he got up and was baptized. The very people that Saul was on a mission to lock up, God uses to bring a miracle to him. And I begin to think about this and I, and I found it so interesting. Is why did God, why did God do this? Why did he blind Saul? Why did he make him go to the city? And then why did he use Ananias to go pray for him? And I believe here's the reason why. It's because Saul was, he was raised in religion. He knew all about religion, but he didn't know about love. And I believe that what God was really doing is he was showing Saul how to be loved. He was showing Saul how the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to operate. That even though you've tried to persecute me, I'm gonna lay hands on you and pray for you that you might receive a miracle. Even though you are authorized to throw me in prison, I'm gonna come to you and I'm gonna call you brother and put my arms around you. And I'm gonna pray with you that you might not only receive your sight, but be baptized. You see, Jesus wanted Saul to experience the love of Jesus in his life. And here's what you have to realize is that every single one of us in this room, we all need somebody. Every Saul needs an Ananias and every Ananias needs a Saul. You're like, wait a minute, what do you mean I need a saw? You need somebody in your life that's not living for Jesus, that you allow God to do a work through you for them. That that person in your life, that Saul in your life, experiences the love of Jesus through you because you called them brother because you prayed for them, because you put your arm around them and told them it's gonna be okay. You see, religion will look down on somebody like that and pull away from them. But Jesus steps into it and says, you're loved. Man, Saul, I know you're in a rough place right now, but, but you're God's chosen instrument. God has a plan for you and it's far greater than anything you've ever experienced before. But here's the thing, in order to do that, you cannot be afraid. You've gotta have more faith in God than fear of people and you've gotta be willing to step into somebody else's mess. You've gotta be willing to get your hands dirty and you've gotta be willing to pray for somebody. Redemption Road is a place where you realize that you cannot do it all alone. We all need somebody in our life. As I close this morning, I wanna give you this final thing. God releases you at the right time. So Saul, Saul has this incredible journey. Saul is off to persecute the church. He's hunting down the followers of Jesus. Saul is on a mission to destroy every single one of them, see every single one of them locked up. And then Jesus shows up in his life and blinds him. And then tells him he has to go, he has to wait. And then Ananias comes and a miracle happens in Saul's life. Saul is filled with the Holy Spirit, he's baptized. And then here's what happens next. It says that Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And at once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. And let me just say this, that I love new converts. I love new converts, why? Because they're not religious yet. 
I'm telling you, new converts are so on fire for God that they're not ashamed to tell people about Jesus. I've been, I've been around people that just got saved and they're just like Saul at once. They begin to preach Jesus, but for some reason, church people, along the way, we lose the fire. Along the way, we become religious. We start stepping back from people instead of stepping towards them. And that's a problem in the church today. It says Saul at once, he begins, he begins learning from the disciples. He begins to preach Jesus, the son of God. And it says all that heard him were astonished. And they asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? And it says, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan and day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. They were just waiting for an opportunity to take him out. You feel called to the ministry? There you go. But his followers, they took him by night and they lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and he told them how Saul on his journey had, been, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And now in Damascus, he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, preaching boldly the name of the Lord. And he talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. And then when the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and they sent him off to Tarshish, his hometown. And then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. And what you have to realize is that Redemption Road, the road that every believer has to travel down, isn't always gonna be that great. When Saul made a decision to live for Jesus, he made a decision to experience the same persecution that he was putting on the church. Saul made a decision to die to his own agenda, to give up everything that he had known before, everything that he had done before. Saul had to go through some things that he had no idea what was about to happen in his life. He goes from experiencing a miracle, getting his sight back, being baptized, and then he starts preaching Jesus. He starts doing what God has called him to do. Lord, you told me that I was gonna be a chosen instrument. You told me I was gonna be a voice to the Gentiles and the Jews and to kings. God, you called me into this ministry. But what does that ministry look like? What does it look like for him? As soon as he starts preaching, they plot to kill him. They plot to kill him. Not once, but twice, two times, they plot together on how to kill Saul. And then Saul goes to the believers. He goes to the church folk. And they're afraid of him and they won't accept him because of his past. So then we have Saul, he's out, he's preaching the gospel. Barnabas is trying to vouch for him and say, look, I, I, I know what God did in his life. I know what happened in his life. Trust me, it's real, it's not fake, he's not pretending. So Saul is preaching, he's preaching, and it says that he's stirring up the crowds. You see, Saul had this gift where he would either start a revival or he would start a riot. And it says that Saul was stirring up so much controversy that they sent him home. Think about that. We're talking about Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. He's preaching the word of God. He's preaching Jesus. And yet he's so controversial 
that they say, Saul, we cannot keep you here. You've just got to go back home. And it says, when he left, the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria, they enjoyed a time of peace and they were strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And they grew in numbers after he left. So Saul is called into ministry. He gives his life to Jesus. He's doing what God has called him to do. And then they kick him out and things are better after he leaves. I mean, that just blows my mind. And here's why, because it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right time. And I have to think about maybe the way that Saul was doing ministry in the beginning wasn't the right way. Because religion that Saul knew was kicking down doors and throwing people in prison. And I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel like somebody in here has to hear this this morning, that sharing the love of Jesus isn't kicking down doors. It's not throwing people in prison, but it's laying hands on them and calling them brother. It's sharing the love of Jesus. And even though they're in mess, it's saying God has a plan for you. And whatever God is calling you to do, God has to take you down Redemption Road in order to get you to a place where he could use you. Saul wasn't ready to be used yet. So they send him back home. And many Bible scholars believe that Saul went back home for close to 10 years before he is ever sent on his first missionary journey. 10 years, Saul has to sit in obscurity, learning, learning how to be effective in ministry, learning how to love people, learning about the ministry of Jesus. And then at the right time, God releases Saul, who then refers himself as Paul. His name wasn't changed. He was given two names at birth but he used Paul because he was trying to reach the Gentiles. And Paul became the most effective man in the Bible at reaching the Gentiles, at reaching the non-religious people. And on Saul's, Paul's very first missionary journey, he confronts a demonic presence and he begins to change government as he ministers to a governor in the region. And I'm telling you that God is calling you to do something great for his kingdom, but you've got to make it down Redemption Road. You've got to go through a process and you've got to allow God to do some things inside of you so that he could use you. And then at the right time, at the right time, God will release you and begin to do a work out of your life as you stand to your feet this morning. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed for just a moment. God, I thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you that you're calling us deeper in you. God, I pray that you would encourage us this morning not to grow weary on the journey, but to realize that everything that has happened into our, in our lives up to this point, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for it. God, that we went through what we went through because you were showing us how to love people. God, we went through what we went through because you were showing us that our flesh has to die. God, that we went through what we went through because you were trying to show us how to step out in faith. God, reminding us that we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have all the details but all we need is faith in you. So this morning, God, I pray, Lord, that, that you would stir up faith in this room. God, that there would be some faith that would be stirred up in these believers. God, to step out and do what you've called them to do. God, that we would lay down religion this morning, that we would lay down church as normal this morning, and that God, instead of isolating ourselves in 
inside of these four walls that you would put a fire back inside of us again that we wouldn't be ashamed to preach the name of Jesus that we wouldn't be ashamed to step up to a co-worker and put our arm around them and tell them that you are loved that God has not forgotten you that God does not make mistakes that he still has a plan for your life that no matter how broken and messed up the situation might be, that we serve a provider, that we serve a miracle worker, that we serve a God that can make a way where there was no way. God, let us have faith to be effective for the ministry. God, if you could use a man like Saul, and if you could use him as one of the most influential people in the Bible, if you could use him to flip the world upside down for your kingdom, God, then what can you do with a room full of believers, God, who are on fire for you, a room full of believers that are gonna leave here and take a step of faith and say, Lord, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but use me. God, I don't know what you're gonna do in my life, but help me step out and believe, God, that you have something greater for me. Stir up our faith this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name. I want to invite our prayer team to come this morning. And if you're in here today, no matter where you're at, maybe you're a Saul and you're, and you're wandering through life and you need to make a decision for Jesus. Maybe you want to have an encounter with Him for yourself and not live through the faith of somebody else, but have your own faith in God then that encounter could happen here this morning. Maybe you're tired, maybe you're struggling, maybe you need an Ananias in your life to join with you in prayer, to embrace you and let you know that you're loved and to pray and believe for a miracle in your life. Whoever you are this morning, whatever place that you're at, come this morning, let us pray for you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 